Section 58 of The Dream of the Red Chamber, Book 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Yuqing in Singapore. The Dream of the Red Chamber, Book 2 by Cao Xueqing. Translated by Henry Bancroft Jolly. Chapter 54, Part 1. Dowager Lady Jia, Nei Shi, does away with rotten old customs. Wang Xifeng imitates in jest the dutiful son by getting herself up in gaudy theatrical clothes. Jia Jin and Jia Lian had, we will now explain, secretly got ready large baskets of cash, so the moment they heard old Lady Jia utter the word tip, they promptly bade the pages be quick and fling the money. The noise of the cash running on every side of the stage was all that fell on the ear. Dowager Lady Jia thoroughly enjoyed it. The two men then rose to their feet. The pages hastened to lay hold of a silver kettle, newly brought in with fresh wine, and to deposit it in Jia Lian's hands, who followed Jia Zhen with quick step into the inner rooms. Jia Zhen advanced first up to sister-in-law Li's table, and courtesying, he raised her cup, and turned round, whereupon Jia Lian quickly filled it to the brim. Next, they approached Mrs. Xue's table, and they also replenished her cup. These two ladies lost no time in standing up and smilingly expostulating. Gentlemen, they said, please take your seats. What's the use of standing on such ceremonies? But presently everyone, with the exception of the two ladies, Madame Hingxing and Wang, quitted the banquet, and dropping their arms against their bodies, they stood on one side. Jia Lian and his companion then drew near Dowager Lady Jia's couch, but the couch was so low that they had to stoop on their knees. Jia Zhen was in front and presented the cup. Jia Lian was behind and held the kettle up to her, but notwithstanding that only these two offered her wine, Jia Zong and the other young men followed them closely in the order of their age and grade, so the moment they saw them kneel, they immediately threw themselves on their knees. Bao Yu, too, prostrated himself at once. Xiao Ming stealthily gave him a push. What's the use of your now following their lead again and falling on your knees? She said. But since you behave like this, wouldn't it be well if you also went and poured wine all round? Bao Yu laughed. Hold on a bit, he rejoined in a low tone and I'll go and do so. So speaking, he waited until his two relatives had finished pouring the wine and risen to their feet, when he also went and replenished the cups of Madame Wang and Xing. How about the young ladies? Xiao Zhen smilingly asked. You people had better be going, old Lady Jia and the other ladies unanimously observed. They'll, then, be more at their ease. At this hint, Jia Zhen and his companions eventually withdrew. The second watch had not, at the time, yet gone. The plate that was being sung was, the eight worthies to look at the lanterns, consisting of eight acts, and had now reached a sensational part. Bao Yu, at this stage, left the feast and was going out. Where are you off to? inquired his grandmother Jia. The crackers outside are dreadful. Mind the lightest pieces of paper falling from above, 
might burn you. Balia smiled. I'm not going far, he answered. I'm merely going out of the room. It will be back at once. Dowager Lady Jia directed the matrons to be careful and escort him. Bao Yu forthwith sallied out, with no other attendants, however, than She Yu, Qiu Wen, and several youthful maids. How is it? His grandmother Jia felt obliged to ask that I don't see anything of Xi Ren. Is she too now, putting on high and mighty airs, that she only sends these juvenile girls here? Madame Wang rose to her feet with all haste. Her mother, she explained, died the other day. So being in deep mourning, she couldn't very well present herself. Dowager Lady Jia nodded her head assentingly. When one is in service, she smilingly remarked, there should be no question of mourning or no mourning. Is it likely that if she was still in my pay, she wouldn't at present be here? All these practices have quite become precedent. Lady Feng crossed over to her. Had she even not been in mourning tonight, she chimed in with a laugh, she would have had to be in the garden and keep an eye over that pile of lanterns, candles and fireworks, as they are most dangerous things. For as soon as any theatricals are set on foot in here, who doesn't surreptitiously sneak out from the garden to have a look? But as far as she goes, she's diligent and careful of every place. Moreover, when the company disperses and Brother Bao Yu retires to sleep, everything will be in perfect readiness. But had she also come, that bevy of servants wouldn't again have cared a straw for anything. And on his return, after the party, the bedding would have been cold, the tea water wouldn't have been ready, and he would have had to put up with every sort of discomfort. That's why I told her that there was no need for her to come. But she knew, dear senior, wish her here, I'll send for her straight away and have done. Old Lady Jia lent an ear to her arguments. What you say, she promptly put in, is perfectly right. You've made better arrangements than I could. Quick, don't send for her. But when did her mother die? How is it? I know nothing about it. Some time ago, Lady Feng laughed. Siren came in person and told you, worthy ancestor. And how is it you've forgotten it? Yes, resumed Dowager Lady Jia, smiling after some reflection. I remember now. My memory is really not of the best. At this, everybody gave way to laughter. How could your venerable ladyship, they said, recollect so many matters? Dowager Lady Jia thereupon heaved a sigh. How I remember, she added, the way she served me ever since her youth up and how she waited upon Ringer also, how at last she was given to that prince of devils, and how she has slaved away with that imp for the last few years. She is, besides, not a slave girl, born or bred in the place, nor has she ever received any great benefits from our hands. When her mother died, I meant to have given her several tales for her burial, but it quite slipped from my mind. The other day, Lady Feng remarked, Madame Wang presented her with forty tails, so that was all right. At these words, old Lady Jia nodded assent. Yes, never mind about that, she observed. Yuan Yang's mother also died, 
as it happens, the other day, but taking into consideration that both her parents lived in the south, I didn't let her return home to observe a period of mourning. But as both these girls are now in mourning, why not allow them to live together? They'll thus be able to keep each other company, take a few fruits, eatables, and other such things, continuing she bade a matron, and give them to those two girls to eat. Was she likely wait till now? Corporal laughingly interposed. Why, she joined here long ago. In the course of this conversation, the various inmates partook of some more wine and watched the theatricals. But we will now turn our attention to Bao Yu. He made his way straight into the garden. The matron saw well enough that he was returning to his rooms, but instead of following him in, they ensconced themselves near the fire in the tea-room situated by the garden gate, and made the best of the time by drinking and playing cards with the girls in charge of the tea. Bao Yu entered the court. The lanterns burned brightly, yet not a human voice was audible. Have they all, forsooth, gone to sleep? Shuri ventured. Let's walk in gently and give them a fright. Presently they stepped on tiptoe past the mirrored partition wall. At a glance, they discerned Syrian lying on the stove couch, face to face with some other girl. On the opposite side sat two or three old nurses nodding, half asleep. Bao Yu conjectured that both the girls were plunged in sleep and was just about to enter when, all of a sudden, someone was heard to heave a sigh and to say, How evident it is that worldly matters are very uncertain. Have you lived all alone in here while your father and mother tarried abroad and roamed year after year from east to west without any fixed place of abode? I ever thought that you wouldn't have been able to be with them at the last moments, but, as it happened, your mother died in this place this year, and you could, after all, stand by her to the end. Quite so, rejoined Siren. Even I little expected to be able to see any of my parents' funeral. While I broke the news to our Madame Wang, she also gave me forty tales. There was really a kind attention on her part. I hadn't, nevertheless, presumed to indulge in any vain hopes. Bayou overheard what was said. Hastily twisting himself round, he remarked in a low voice, addressing himself to Shu Yu and her companions. Who would have fancied her also in here? But were I to enter, she'll bolt away in another tantrum. Better than that, we should retrace our steps, and let them quietly have a chat together, eh? Siren was alone, and down in the mouth, so it's a fortunate thing that she joined her in such good time. As he spoke, they once more walked out of the court with gentle tread. Bao went to the back of the rockery, and stopping short, he raised his clothes. Shou and Xiuwen stood still and turned their faces away. Stop, they smiled, and then loosen your clothes. Be careful that the wind doesn't blow on your stomach. The two young maids, who followed behind, surmised that he was bent upon satisfying a natural want and they hurried ahead to the tea-room to prepare the water. Just, however, as Bayou was crossing over, two married women came in sight, advancing from the opposite direction. "'Who's there?' they inquired. "'Bao Yu is here,' Qin Wen answered. "'But mind, 
if you bawl and shout like that, you'll give him a start. The women promptly laughed. We had no idea, they said, that we were coming at a great festive time like this to bring trouble upon ourselves. What a lot of hard work must day after day fall to your share, young ladies. Speaking the while, they drew near. Shou and her friends then asked them what they were holding in their hands. We're taking over, they replied. Some things to the two girls, Miss Xin and Miss Hua. They're still singing the eight worthies outside, Shou went on to observe laughingly. And how is it you're running again to Miss Xin's and Miss Hua's before the trouble first moon box has been gone through? Take the lid off, Bao Yu cried, and let me see what there's inside. Qing Wen and Shu Yu at once approached and uncovered the boxes. The two women promptly stooped, which enabled Bao Yu to see that the contents of the two boxes consisted alike of some of the finest fruits and tea cakes which had figured at the banquet, and nodding his head, he walked off, while Shu Yu and her friend speedily threw the lids down anyhow and followed in his track. Those two dames are pleasant enough, Bao Yu smiled, and they know how to speak decently, but it's they who get quite worn out every day, and they contrarywise say that you've got ample to do daily. Now, doesn't this amount to bragging and boasting? Those two women, Shuria chimed in, are not bad, but such of them, as don't know what good manners mean, are ignorant to a degree of all propriety. You who know what's what, Bao added, should make allowances for that kind of rustic people. You should pity them, that's all. Speaking, he made his exit out of the garden gate. The matrons had, though engaged in drinking and gambling, kept incessantly stepping out of doors to furtively keep an eye on his movements, so that the moment they perceived Bao Yu appear, they followed him in a body. On their arrival in the covered passage of the reception hall, they espied two young waiting maids, the one with a small basin in her hand, the other with a towel thrown over her arm. They also held a bowl and a small kettle, and had been waiting in that passage for ever so long. Chowen was the first to hastily stretch out her hand and test the water. The odour you grow, she cried, the denser you get. How could one ever use this icy cold water? Miss, look at the weather, the young maid replied. I was afraid the water would get cold. It was really scalding. Is it cold now? While she made this rejoinder, an old matron was, by a strange coincidence, seen coming along, carrying a jug of hot water. Dear dame, shouted the young maid, come over and pour some for me in here. My dear girl, the matron responded, this is for our old mistress to brew tea with. I'll tell you what, you'd better go and fetch some yourself. Are you perchance afraid, lest your feet might grow bigger by walking? I don't care whose it is, she won't put in. If you don't give me any, I shall certainly empty our old lady's teapot and wash my hands. The old matron turned her head, and, catching sight of Chowen, she there and then raised the jug and poured some of the water. That will do, exclaimed Chowen. With all your years, don't you yet know what's what? 
who isn't aware that it's for our old mistress but would one presume to ask for what shouldn't be asked for my eyes are so dim the major rejoined with a smile that i didn't recognize this young lady when pao yu had washed his hands the young maid took the small jug and filled the bowl and as she held it in her hand pao yu rinsed his mouth but Wen and Shuyu availed themselves likewise of the warm water to have a wash, after which they followed Pao Yu in. Pao Yu at once asked for a kettle of warm wine, and, starting from sister-in-law Li, he began to replenish their cups. Sister-in-law Li and his aunt Xue pressed him, however, with smiling faces, to take a seat, but his grandmother Jia remonstrated. He is only a youngster, she said so let him pour the wine we must all drain this cup with these words she quaffed her own cup leaving no heel taps mesdames xing and wang also lost no time in emptying theirs so mrs xue and sister-in-law li had no alternative but to drain their share fill the cups too of your female cousins senior or junior dowager lady jia went on to tell pao yu and you mayn't pour the wine anyhow each of you must swallow every drop of your drinks. Pao Yu, upon hearing her wishes, set to work, while signifying his assent to replenish the cups of the several young ladies in their proper gradation. But when he got to Dai Yu, she raised the cup, for she would not drink any wine herself, and applied it to Pao Yu's lips. Pao Yu drained the contents with one breath, upon which Dai Yu gave him a smile and said to him, I'm much obliged to you. Pao Yu next poured a cup for her, but Lady Feng immediately laughed and expostulated. Pao Yu, she cried, you mustn't take any cold wine. Mind, your hand will tremble, and you won't be able tomorrow to write your characters or to draw the bow. I'm not having any cold wine, Pao Yu replied. I know you're not, Lady Feng smiled, but I simply warn you. After this, Pao Yu finished helping the rest of the inmates inside, with the exception of Jia Rong's wife, for whom he bade a maid to fill a cup. Then, emerging again into the covered passage, he replenished the cups of Jia Zhen and his companions, after which he tarried with them for a while, and at last walked in and resumed his former seat. Presently, the soup was brought, and soon after that, the feast of lantern cakes were handed round. Dowager Lady Jia gave orders that the play should be interrupted for a time. Those young people, she said, are to be pitied. Let them too have some hot soup and warm viands. They then can go on again. Take of every kind of fruit, she continued, feet of lanterns cakes and other such dainties, and give them a few. The play was shortly stopped. The matrons ushered in a couple of blind singing girls who often came to the house and put two benches on the opposite side for them. Old Lady Jia desired them to take a seat, and banjos and guitars were then handed to them. What stories would you like to hear? Old Lady Jia inquired of Sister-in-law Li and Mrs. Xu. We don't care what they are, both of them rejoined with one voice. Annie will do. Have you of late added any new stories to your stock? Old Lady Jia asked. We've got a new story, the two girls explained. 
is about an old affair of the time of the Five Dynasties, which trod down the Tang Dynasty. What's its title? Old Lijia inquired. It's called a Feng Sixth Aluan in marriage. The male phoenix asked the female phoenix in marriage. One of the girls answered. The title is all very well. Dowager Lady Jia proceeded. But why, I wonder, was it ever given to it? First, tell us its general purport, and if it's interesting, you can continue. The story, the girl explained, treats of the time when the Tang dynasty was extinguished. There lived then one of the gentry, who had originally been a denizen of Jingling. His name was Wang Zhu. He had been minister under two reigns. He had, about this time, pleaded old age and returned to his home. He had about his need only one son, called Wang Xifeng. When the company heard so far, they began to laugh. Now, isn't this a duplicate of our girl Feng's name? Old Lady Jia laughingly exclaimed. A married woman hurried up and pushed the girl. That's the name of your lady, Secunda, she said, so don't use it quite so heedlessly. Go on with your story, Dowager Lady Jia shouted. The girl speedily stood up, smiling the while. We do deserve death, she observed. We weren't aware that it was our lady's worthy name. Why should it be in such fear and trembling? Lady Feng laughed. Go on, there are many duplicate names and duplicate surnames. The girl then proceeded with her story. In a certain year, she resumed, his honour, old Mr. Wang, saw his son, Mr. Wang, off for the capital, to be in time for the examinations. One day, he was overtaken by a heavy shower of rain, and he betook himself into a village for shelter. Who would have thought it? There lived in this village one of the gentry of the name Li, who had been an old friend of his honour, old Mr. Wang, and he kept Mr. Wang Jr. to put up in his library. This Mr. Li had no son, but only a daughter. This young daughter's worthy name was Shu Luan. She could perform on the lute, she could play the chess, and she had a knowledge of books and of painting. There was nothing that she did not understand. Old Lady Jia eagerly chimed in. It's no wonder, she said, that the story had been called A Feng Six A Luan in Marriage. A male phoenix seeks a female phoenix in marriage. But you needn't proceed. I've already guessed that a noma. There's no doubt that Wang Xifeng asks for the hand of this Miss Chuluan. Your venerable ladyship must really have heard the story before. The singing girl smiled. What hasn't our worthy senior heard? They all exclaimed. But she's quick enough in guessing even unheard of things. All these stories run invariably in one line, old Lady Jia laughingly rejoined. They're all about pretty girls and scholars. There's no fun in them. They abuse people's daughters in every possible way, and then they still term them nice, pretty girls. They are so concocted that there's not even a semblance of truth in them. From the very first, they canvass the families of the gentry. If the paterfamilias isn't a president of a board, then he's made a minister. The heroine is bound to be lovable as a gem. This young lady is sure to understand all about letters and propriety. 
she knows everything and is in a word a peerless beauty at the sight of a handsome young man she pays no heed as to whether he be relation or friend but begins to entertain thoughts of the primary affair of her life and forgets her parents and sets her book on one side she behaves as neither devil nor thief would so in what respect does she resemble a nice pretty girl were even her brain full of learning she couldn't be accounted a nice pretty girl after behaving in this manner just like a young fellow whose mind is well stored with book lore and who goes and plays the robber how is it likely that the imperial laws would look upon him as a man of parts and that they wouldn't bring against him some charge of robbery from this it's evident that those who fabricate these stories contradict themselves besides they may it's true say that the heroines belong to great families of official and literary status that they are conversant with propriety and learning that their honourable mothers too understand books and good manners but great households like theirs must in spite of the parents having pleaded old age and returned to their native places contain a great number of inmates and the nurses maids and attendants on these young ladies must also be many and how is it then that whenever these stories make references to such matters one only hears of young ladies with but a single close attendant what can think for ourselves or the other people be up to indeed what is said before doesn't accord with what comes afterwards isn't it so eh the party listened to her with much glee these criticisms of yours venerable ancestor they said have laid to bed every single discrepancy they have however their reasons old lady das mildly resumed among the writers of these stories there are some who begrudge people's wealth and honours or possibly those who having solicited a favour of the wealthy and honourable and not obtained the object upon which their wishes were set have fabricated lies in order to disparage people there is moreover a certain class of persons who become so corrupted by the peruser of such tales that they are not satisfied until they themselves pounce upon some nice pretty girl hence is it that for fun's sake they devise all these yarns but how could such as they ever know the principle which prevails in official and literary families not to speak of the various official and literary families spoken about in these anecdotes take now our own immediate case as an instance we're only such a middle-class household and yet we've got none of those occurrences so don't let her go on spinning these endless yarns we must on no account have any of these stories told us why even the maids themselves don't understand any of this sort of language i've been getting so old the last few years that i felt unawares quite melancholy whenever the girls went to live far off so my wont has been to have a few passages recounted to me but as soon as they got back i at once put a stop to these things sister in Lolly and mrs shea both laughed this is just the rule they said which should exist in great families 
Not even in our homes is any of this confused talk allowed to reach the ears of the young people. End of section 58. Recording by Cao Yuxin in Singapore.